From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion, email edition for March 26, 2009, from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined this week by my good friends, Kathy Worling, Walter Eccles, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. And we are going to read your emails and play your voicemails, and I'll do the usual spiel. If you would like to send us an email with a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, send that to podcast at wdwinfo.com, or you can fill out the feedback form by going to podcast.wdwinfo.com. If you'd like to give us a call, toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, one eight seven seven three one zero nine six six two, the local direct number four zero seven five seven four five zero nine three, in the United Kingdom toll free zero eight zero eight one two zero two three one six, and in Australia toll free one eight hundred seven seven four five three one. So, with that out of the way, we will get right into it. Our first voicemail this week comes to us from. William, who has questions about dining at Universal. So here is William. Hey, podcast team. This is uh, William calling. Uh, I'm Bill Dog 19, 1977 on the boards. I have a question. Me and my wife and my parents are going down to uh, Universal Orlando in June, the 10th to the 13th, and we're wondering, we want to eat at some of the places on City Walk, and we weren't sure if these places uh, allow to have reservations and if they do, how soon can we call and make them? Uh, I love the show, and I look forward to each show each week. So you guys do a good job and keep it up. Uh, my contact information is my email is billdog718 at aol.com. And I uh, hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you very much for that, Bill. We appreciate the phone call. Uh, Actually, uh, in terms of dining at Universal, there's only a couple of places where reservations are suggested. Uh, that is uh, actually only one place I can think of, and that's going to be Emeralds. Uh, if you want to eat at Emeralds, it's a good idea to make reservations. But it seems like lately even Emeralds you can walk into. Uh, Jimmy Buffett's uh, the group, uh, uh, Latin Quarter. Uh, the NBA Cafe. <clears throat> Yeah, well, I wouldn't recommend the NBA Cafe or the NASCAR Cafe. Oh, I thought cafe. you were just listing them. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend the Hard Rock Cafe either. Um, Jimmy Buffett's, Emeralds, Pasta More, uh, Latin Quarter, Bob Marley's are places that I would uh, recommend that you eat. And uh, with the exception of Emeralds, all of those places uh, you can uh you know, you can walk up. Now, of course, if it's a holiday period, it's probably a good idea to call these places and make reservations. Uh, they will all will take, to the best of my knowledge, they will all accept reservations, but they are not required. It's not like Disney, and especially right now, Universal is definitely dealing with lower than average attendance. And they'll only take them at 30 days out. Is it, is it, is it 30 days? Mm-hmm. So that's your booking window, 30 days. But... Uh, some good places to eat. Also, don't overlook the resorts. Uh, you've got the uh, Island Dining Room and Chop Chop, uh, Emerald's Chop Chop over at uh, the Royal Pacific. 
Uh, Chop Chop is definitely going to be reservations required. Uh, you've got Mama Mamadella's over at Portofino Bay, which is phenomenal Italian food. Uh, and you also have the Palm Restaurant and the Kitchen over at Hard Rock. That uh, was good when we went. When we all went to the Palm, mm-hmm. yeah, Palm is very very good food. I think is it's Beach overpriced. Chase, oh, is Beachay still open? Beachay is still open, but that's very upscale. Um, that you're going to need to dress for, and that is just certainly going to need reservations if you go to Beachay. I have not eaten there, so I really can't tell you one way or the other whether or not I, it's any good. Uh, but uh, the Palm is very good. Kitchen is very good. Uh, Chop Chop over at Royal Pacific could be hit or miss. I've had good meals there. I've had bad. Um, Island Dining Room at Royal Pacific also. Uh, for the most part, I've had decent meals. I wouldn't say it was a culinary masterpiece, but uh, it's an interesting menu, and you can get some good stuff there. So. The Palm, I don't know if you just said that, the Palm mm-hmm. is also very expensive. Yeah. Yes, and it's overpriced, yeah, in my it, opinion. Very expensive. Yep. It is a very expensive restaurant. So those are my suggestions, and uh, like Kathy said, you could make those reservations 30 days out, up to 30 days out. And uh, But like again, depending on the time of year you're coming, if it's uh, not a holiday period, you shouldn't have too much too much trouble finding a place to eat, so... Best of luck to you. Who has an email they would like to read? I do. Did someone else say that? (laughs) Mine comes to us from Kristen. Actually, she goes by Chris. And Chris is Kaler131 on the boards. I was just listening to the January 22nd email podcast. I'm getting caught up, and I have a question about the birthday freebies. I was interested in what Teresa was talking about. The alternative options to getting the free admission on your birthday. I was interested in what Teresa was talking about. The alternative options to getting the free admission on your birthday. We'll be staying at Walt Disney World for seven nights in June and then spending five nights at Universal. On the day we check out of Universal to go home, it's my son's sixth birthday. If we drove over to the Magic Kingdom that day, my son's birthday, would we be able to get the birthday fun card? Could we just go up to the ticket counters or do we have to go inside the park? Thanks so much for any info you can give us. Uh, Chris, you do have to go on the date of his birth. <clears throat> they won't let you do it the day before. They won't let you do it the day after. You have to do it that day. If you want the fun card, which is the gift certificate, you also have to show that you have admission for that day. They will not give you the fun card if you don't have an admission ticket. Then they will give you the admission ticket to the park. Now, the ticket is good for a year but it is only good for your son. Keep in mind that because your son is six, they're not going to give you a $75 gift card. They would give you a gift card for your son equal in value to the cost of a one-day admission for a six-year-old. So I hope that helps. Great. Thank you very much for that, Kevin. Who else? I have one. Walter. This one says, Hi, Kevin, John, Corey, Julie, Kathy, Walter, Teresa, Kathy. Just wondering if you could answer this question. When we go to Orlando in November, we plan on taking advantage of the Disney Photo Pass when purchasing photos when we get home to free up spending money while we're there. But can we get our ride photos added to the Photo Pass? And the answer to that is yes. You just show your Photo Pass card, and you can purchase the pictures you get on the rides on your Photo Pass. Yep. There was uh, some confusion about that, whether or not when you go down Splash Mountain and get your picture taken. 
can you uh, just add that photo to your photo pass rather than buying the photo there? And yes, you can. Yes, you can. So, all right. Thank you very much for that. Our next voicemail comes to us from Norman in Scotland with some comments on the price increase for tables in Wonderland. So here's Norman. Hi, Pete, the podcast crew. It's Norman from Scotland. I have phoned and spoken to you before, but uh, just uh, thanks for the podcast. Love it. Listen to it every week, and it's fantastic. To, it makes me feel I'm almost there. Uh, I just uh, heard today about the increase in the Disney dining plan or the Tables in Wonderland card. Um, and I thought I should uh, phone and congratulate Disney on actually saving me money for the first time in a long time. I've had a, an annual pass for five or six years, although I'm over here in Scotland. I've uh, been over about seven or eight times in the last five years. Uh, and I always take the Disney dining plan, but um, I hear that the price has now increased to $100. Um, and I'm, I'm most grateful because obviously I won't renew and I'll be eating off-site um, quite a lot this year. We'll um, have our meals, our, our, our tables, our counter service meals on-site, and, and we'll go to some of the good restaurants that you have there in the Orlando area. I think, once again, that uh, Disney have managed to show that their finger's right on the pulse and they, they know exactly what's happening with the economy. <laughs> um, when, when things are as good as they are just now, put the prices up and get as much money out of people as you can. So I just thought I would phone. I could go into a complete rant about it, but uh, Pete style. But uh, that's that, that's my views. Okay, thanks, guys. I love Scottish sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a point, though. I mean, you know, with the price of everything, you know, with price increases and stuff, especially right now, you know. Disney's going to be helping out some of the area businesses by pushing people off property. I think Norman's going back and forth between Tables in Wonderland and the dining plan. Yeah. The Tables in Wonderland card has increased. Right, because it used to be called the Disney Dining Experience. and Somebody's uh, got to pay for that new name. So that's uh, $100 now? Yeah, it's $100. It's gone up to $100. The only thing I will say in defense of Tables in Wonderland... Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're going to say, and I agree with you. And I, I understand not everyone takes advantage of this, but it, the, the valet parking's free. Well... So I, I mean, say that that's not even what I was thinking. I have to be honest. Even at a hundred dollars, then again, we live here right, and right. we go all the time. So for us, it is hands down. I mean, I'm sorry, it just saves pays for itself. I think it's a good program. Again, I when we add in the fact that we can now valet at the par at the resorts for the tip, basically, I think that is a, a big value to it. Yeah. But I understand. I mean, if you're not, if you're coming here on vacation and you're using Magical Express and you don't have a car, it would be you know? very difficult, in my opinion, to get your money's worth out of it in one trip. Yeah. Unless you were a large party, and I think each card holds up. You can use it up for. Is it six people or ten people? Hang on, I'll let you know. But I think it would be hard to um, <clears throat> justify the cost if you're not right for one trip. Now, one thing Norman can keep in mind is the new uh, Disney Dining plan is a quick service plan. So that might help him. If he's looking just for counter service, he can add that to his existing package and then go off-site for a sit-down meal. Yeah. So that might help him a little bit. All right. Well, thank you for that. Who else has a... I have one kind of on the same track of thought. And this is from Todd. And Todd writes, Hi, all. I have a question for you. Can the Tables in Wonderland card be used in conjunction with the Disney Dining Plan? Here's the scenario. 
I'm thinking of getting an annual pass and Tables in Wonderland card when I come down for the podcast cruise. I'm also planning on returning in January for Marathon Weekend. Chances are in January we will be on the dining plan. If there is something that we ordered that wasn't covered by the dining plan, i.e. dessert, appetizer, etc., can I use my Tables in Wonderland card and get the savings? Thanks as always. Todd, the answer is yes. Anything you order that you have to pay for out of pocket, food, and or beverage, you can use the Tables in Wonderland card for your discount. So, you know, if you get uh, alcoholic drinks, um, you can you can then pay for that separate. You'll get a separate bill from your wait staff, and then you can just present the Tables in Wonderland card and get your 20% off. Keeping in mind, they're going to add an 18% gratuity. Right. Cool. So if that's something you want to do, I don't know how how much economic sense that makes to get the tables in Wonderland card just for those extra things you yeah. might purchase. But didn't you, you figure it out that it was something like you had to buy around four hundred dollars? I did a whole of, big yeah, I did yeah. a whole big calculation for it on the boards one day. And I well, now if it's a hundred if it's a hundred dollars for a card, it's five hundred dollars is what you got to spend right. for twenty percent, or the difference in the price of what I figured in originally to the new price. But again, you know we. We live here. We do it for a living. We do it for fun. So, for people buying the card from overseas, tipping is or from foreign countries, tipping is always an issue. It's always a confusing thing because it's not the custom in a lot of places. Using the tables in Wonderland card usually does away with that. The confusion because, of tipping. Right. Confusion, yeah. Because the gratuity is most of the time added. Yeah. So, if you think you're going to spend five hundred dollars eating at Disney restaurants while you're here. Sit, these are sit-down restaurants. They're not, not counter service. Then Tables in Wonderland makes sense. Anything above $500 makes sense. But if you're not going to spend that much at sit-down meals, uh, not counter service, then it's a money loser. And in multiple visits, that's possible. With a family of four. Mm-hmm. If you, figure you go to a couple a of the upscale places. Yeah. You know, you got a party of six and you're going to Yachtsman Steakhouse or Narcissus. You might be able there's to do your, it. There's your 500 right there's there. There's your 500 right there. So, all right, cool. All right, our next voicemail comes to us from Charles, who wants to know if there are any deals on tickets to the parks after a Disney Cruise Line vacation. So here's Charles. Hi, this is Charles Love. The Disboards are the papa of five sons, five boys. Uh, I'm calling because I, I'm trying to find out if there's any kind of a deal with uh, Disney for a, uh, a mission to the parks for just one day or maybe two days after like a three-day cruise. I don't have time really to take a, a full seven-day vacation right now, but uh, I would think that Disney would offer some kind of discount with the discount tickets or something to get in just so that you'd be able to spend more money at their parks and uh, their novelties and so forth. That was abrupt. (laughs) Bye. I'm done. (laughs) Well, thank you for calling, Charles. And, yes, you would think that Disney would do that, but you'd be wrong. Um, No, there are no discounts offered uh, for Disney Cruise Line passengers on park tickets after their cruise. Um, If you're looking for ease and you want to have one sort of package and sort of pay for everything at once, you can do add-ons to your Disney Cruise Line vacation. You can add on days. Um, but there's no real savings to it. It's no. not like you add on a day and you get a, a, some kind of great deal or, or package price. It's just room and tickets added. Exactly. So 
So yeah, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no deal there, unfortunately. But you know, makes sense to ask the question because you'd think that you know, maybe never thought of that, but it makes sense. It does. It would make sense, but you know, I guess we'd have to be in a recession for about four or five more years <laughs> uh, before they'd come up with that idea. So, well, thank you very much for calling, Charles. Who else has an email I'd like to read? I do. Um, from Christina from Beachwood, New Jersey. Does anyone on the podcast team have a guess as to why there has not been one announcement about Easter dining or activities? Last year, there was an Easter brunch at Epcot. Obviously, that must not be happening. Usually, there have been special seatings for restaurants for Easter Day, and I'm wondering if um, that's not happening either. I don't think I'm being impatient. Easter is less than a month away. Thanks and love the show. Um, there hasn't been anything released. We've we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and I don't think you're being impatient. We're not being impatient. It's kind of close out. You'd think yeah. if they were yeah. going to announce something, they would have done it by now. All of the local hotels, the bigger hotels, the Grand Hyatt, the Celebration Hotel, the Rosen Hotels on International Drive are all, are all offering Easter brunch. But Disney's not this year. Well, same thing with Mother's Day. They did away with the Mother's Day brunch, mm-hmm. too. Disney hates Jesus. <laughs> they have a new uh, political and religious uh, rule I yeah. think they're doing They're not recognizing any religions <laughs> or any politics I mean, I do know according to Disney's seasonal um, calendar That from April 5th through April 18th That the at certain restaurants the prices will be higher That's due to guest demand yeah. yeah, that's nice of them We're waiting on uh, some announcement I think uh, shame on Disney for that All right, thank you for that, Corey Who else has one they'd like to read? I have one This is from Emily Welk. Dear podcast crew, my family and I have just returned from Walt Disney World on March 14th and had an absolutely wonderful time. We stayed at Port Orleans Riverside, which we thought was fantastic, especially for the kids, and had great experiences in each park we went to. Great weather, low crowds, etc. My problem is the post-Walt Disney World depression I seem to be in. After spending so many waking hours planning our trip, I now feel like an empty shell of a human being. Is this common among your listeners? And apart from applying to be a, become a podcast member myself, any suggestions on how to return to my pre-Disney World happiness? Xanax. Claire. D- Disney on ice. <laughs> <laughs> no, do it right. Disney on ice. <laughs> oh, there's jazz hands involved. You have to do jazz hands. I think you're, you're asking the wrong people because... We I moved here because we, we never came, so we could never, right. so we never had to have to, had to come down. Yeah, really? I always say to people, you know, just be careful because you come that one time and you're become addicted, and it's going to be hard. You know, you're going to go home and you're going to miss it. So, um, if you ever need any excuses, I'm sure we all could come up with a few to help justify another trip. Back Start here. planning another trip. Have mm-hmm. a garage sale. Put away a, a. You know how some people have a Christmas club. Start a Disney club. Have a garage sale. Like and just D23. remember, Disney's a lot cheaper than a lot of other vacations was the excuse I always used. It was cheaper to come to Disney than it was to go to the beach. Really? What beaches were you going to? No, like San Ocean. Tropez. No, Ocean, <laughs> no, Ocean City, Monica. Maryland. <laughs> so I, I can give you a list of excuses of why you need to come back. Disney was cheaper than Ocean City, Maryland? Mm-hmm. It was in the summertime. You it know something? Was. It's true. It's actually cheaper to come here than it is to spend a week at the beach in Wildwood. In the summer, you're talking right, about Right, in the summer. Well, who goes to Wildwood in November? <laughs> yeah, having grown up on the Jersey Shore, I never rented a place in the shore. Oh, we used to do that every summer, so then it finally got to the point it was cheaper to come here. Mm-hmm. And nothing beats having Christmas at Disney. 
So you can use that for an excuse. Make that everybody's Christmas present. Yeah. Yeah, that never worked for me. I wanted gifts, too. Oh, my kids were really good. Disney worked well for them. Really? They accepted Disney as the gift? Yes, they did. Yeah, I think I would have wanted gifts, too. It's like people who have their birthday on Christmas. Sorry. I want two gifts. All right, well, thank you for that, Kathy. We have our next voicemail from another Norman, not the Scotland Norman, a different Norman, with questions on video cameras. So here is Norman. Hi, my name is Norman Cavey, and I live in Eldersburg, Maryland. I've been to Disney World a few times, and every time I try to videotape one of the attractions, like Pirates of the Caribbean, all I get is uh, a lot of out of focus and uh, very dark. I can't get it bright like I see your videos on uh, on the internet. I was wondering what type of camera you use, video camera, or what settings that you put your camera on to get such great looking videos. I'm really interested in knowing this because we're planning a trip to Disney World soon, and uh, for once, I'd like to see some of my. Uh, uh, videos turn out thanks love your show bye well thanks very much uh, for calling norman um i don't know that the information i'm going to have for you is going to help you um because the camera i'm using to film uh, the stuff that we have on the site is fairly expensive uh, i'm using the sony uh, hdr fx 1000 which is uh, right now going for anywhere between thirty-two and thirty-five hundred dollars, depending on where you buy it. He can cancel his trip to buy one. Basically, yeah, <laughs> you can either go to Disney World or you can buy this camera. Um, this is what is known as uh, a prosumer camcorder, meaning that it has uh, some functionality and elements that you would find in a professional camera, but it's still considered a consumer model. Uh, these are the Cameras. Is that what that means? That's what prosumer mm-hmm. means, yes. I'm a little slow. <laughs> and uh, it's, I mean, you can, find, you can find prosumer cameras on eBay that may be a little less expensive uh, that have been, you know, the, that are secondhand. Um, the Canon, uh, oh, I can't remember the model number. You'll, you'll know the camera when... You see, you know these cameras when you see them, because they look kind of intimidating. They're not shoulder cameras like TV stations use or, or movie studios would use. These are still handheld, but they're large. In in the case of my camera, it's got uh, a tr- a three CMOS sensors, which is why it picks up uh, and it does oh, so well good. in low light. And uh, these are really these are called the ClearVid CMOS sensors. It's one of Sony's patented. I think this is the first camera to get those from Sony, and uh, it operates brilliantly in low light. Uh, your standard camcorder is not going to do well in low light. It's the same thing for a lot of people when they have just standard digital cameras or standard cameras, and they try and take photos of uh, fireworks, and they fireworks always come out blurry. Uh, you know, higher-end cameras tend to do better taking pictures like that, um, a camera's worst enemy is low light. So in order to compensate for that, you have to be working with a camera that's got got some muscle. Now, I'm not saying there aren't sub-$1,000 cameras out there 
that are video cameras that will work well in low light. I haven't found one. Um, I have two different high-definition, smaller, $1,000 or less camcorders, neither of which do anything in low light. I have the same problems you do. It's a common problem. Uh, so really the solution for that is either use external lighting, which you're not allowed to do in attractions, or you've got to get a camera that operates well in low light. I would take a look at the Canon and the Sony models. Because uh, even my old uh, my old Sony, um, I forgot the model number on it, but it's about 9, 10 years old, and that did fabulous in low light. Now when you do the low light rides... Are you looking at your little display, or are you looking through the viewfinder? I'm usually looking through the display. Is it, like, bright enough that it's taking away from the ride? No. You know, because sometimes when you're, like, in Pirates, and somebody's doing something, it's like it lights up the whole boat. He throws a shawl over his head. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm really really cautious with that. If if I'm in a scenario where it's really that dark, and the... the, uh, uh, the viewfinder is throwing that much light. I close it and use the eyepiece. Okay. But for the most part, I usually use. I find it easier for me to look at the at the viewfinder. I sense a park peeve, Kathy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my things. It's like it takes no, away I'm, from the I'm whole conscious experience. Of that. I'm conscious of that. This camera is also large enough that it's not really for the casual user, right? No. It's not the kind of thing that you're going to slip in a pocket. No, no, this <laughs> no. no. <need> Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly. It's not that bad to carry around. Um, it's about four and a half pounds on this camera. You know, for whatever inconvenience it is to carry it around the parks, it more than makes up for it when you get home and you see the video it's shot. But you're there for that purpose. Yeah, that's right. true. That's true. And I, mean, I would say, you know, unless you really want to go out and buy a $3,000 camera, you know, enjoy the videos on our site. And when you're out in the light, use your video camera that's probably really good for that. Yeah. Instead of, you know, trying to get the camera to to work in a situation that you might not always be in. You know, save yourself some money. Exactly. I'm a big fan of saying, you know, buy what you're going to use. Don't overbuy because a lot of people think, well, I'm going to move into that camera and they might never use all the features that your camera has. Unless so. you're doing something for a living that right. requires it, yeah, you're probably not. You know, save that extra money and take another vacation or Exactly. So I hope that answers your question, Norman. Best of luck with your videos. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I have one. Mine's kind of long, so hoping people can bear with me on it. One of our Dreams Unlimited travel agents, uh, Dorothy Bond, wrote to us and shared with us um, everyone in (laughs) in Dreams Unlimited travel their experience with the birthday fast pass. Now, we talked a lot about how you can get the birthday gift card in exchange for the one-day admission on your birthday, and she gave us a really good breakdown of what happened to her and her family trying to get the birthday fast pass. <laughs> that is in a nutshell, pretty much. <laughs> After you hear the email, that's very apropos. Thanks, Dorothy. <laughs> Hi, all. Our son celebrated his birthday today, and he decided to exchange his birthday certificate for the fast pass option. Let Happy me- birthday, Chase. Let me just say this is one of the most confusing things I think Disney has ever come up with. It's a nice perk, but why oh why did they have to make it so complicated? The bottom line, we were able to exchange his certificate for four fast passes per person for our party of four. My husband's son 
and friend went to the Epcot Will Cole window at park opening with his certificate. And since he's not 16 yet and didn't have a driver's license, we brought along his passport. Our first surprise is when they discovered that in order to get the fast passes for everyone in the party, they had to present a park ticket for each person in the party. Oops. I'd planned to catch up with them later in the day, and I had my ticket with me. It was complicated, but my husband found a supervisor and convinced him to override the system and issue the four FastPass cards. I wouldn't recommend this option, but we were able to get it to work. Okay, so they give you a FastPass birthday exchange card for each person in your party. Another plastic card you have to keep up with. You also get a handout with the guidelines. Your FastPass birthday exchange card is good in one park only on your actual birthday. We were in Epcot, so each park will be slightly different. But they broke the eligible rides into two categories, the Donald Group and the Daisy Group. In the Donald Group were Test Track and Soarin'. In the Daisy Group were Mission Space, Living with the Land, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, and Maelstrom. Woohoo, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, those living with the land fast passes are <laughs> yeah. valuable. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Because you don't want to wait in that five minute line. Right. You get to pick two rides from each group for your fast pass selections, a total of four, and you can pick the same ride twice if you want. You take your plastic card to the fast pass machines at the ride and insert your card, re- receiving in return an immediate fast pass time. The time on your birthday fast pass is not delayed. Also, if the fast passes have run out for the day or not in service, there were single fast pass machines designated specifically for using birthday fast passes. Even though it recommends in the guidelines to get your birth your fast pass ticket early in the day to ensure your choice of attraction, this is the part that was so confusing. We felt like we had a run around getting all of our fast passes right away because we thought we understood from the instructions that once um, they shut down the fast passes for that ride that we were out of luck. Then later in the day, we see these signs on top of lone fast pass machines indicating that birthday fast passes are still available, even though other machines are covered up for the day. It just wasn't explained to us very well. Uh, she finishes up with, It was so confusing. We were all wondering why they didn't just give us a handful of fast passes and send us on our way. But a nice perk nonetheless, and a birthday I'm sure my 15-year-old son will remember. He rode Mission Space until he turned green. I lost count, but I think he rode it four or five times. No one else rode it more than once, so I think he ended up with six fast passes for Mission Space. It, it just boggles the mind. You have to have a degree in calculus yeah, to figure really. out the mm-hmm. fast passes. And so. I think what's amazing is Dorothy's well-versed in Disney. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and her husband and her kids right. and her whole family is. We all understand it. Can you picture the casual observer with this in their hand? No. It just... You get four per person and... Everybody's got to be there and you get a plastic card and you have, have to, to pick t- from two different categories and you can write up to... Oh, it's just awful. <laughs> it's going to stay home. Thanks, Dorothy. Thanks, Dorothy, for that email. Thank you, John. Who else has an email I'd like to read? I do. This is from Debbie in Shoemakersville, Pennsylvania. Hi, my name is Debbie. I'm a brand-new podcast addict. We'll be arriving at the Grand Floridian 329 for a week and would like a weather and crowd update. Also, I have to ask, what does stay out of the damn lakes mean? Well, I can tell you what stay out of the damn lakes means since I'm the one who always says that. 
uh, last year when we did our review of the Polynesian, uh, we were talking to some cast members at the Poly who were uh, telling us about the problems they have with people swimming in the lakes, uh, in, in the lake there off of, uh, I guess it's Bay Lake. That's uh, that's actually the Seven, seven Seas, Seas Lagoon. Lagoon. Um, right outside the Magic Kingdom, right off of uh, the Polynesian. There's a big sign that says no swimming. Um, and the reason for that, there's several reasons for it, but there is all manner of wildlife living in those lakes, including very poisonous water moccasins um, and uh, alligators, where there's a common rule of thumb here in Florida where there's water, there are gators. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we talked about this on the show and there was some commentary on the web. I'll leave it at that about how foolish we were being. And also the, uh, the amoeba that go into your nose and they yeah. will eat your brain. And we're not kidding. They, they will kill you. Yes. Yeah. There's, uh, amoeba that live in the, in the, in the, in the dirt in the sand on the lake bed that when the temperature of the water is, uh, uh, at a certain, at a certain level, that uh, when you're pl- playing around and mucking up the sediment on the bottom of the lake, these amoeba get released, and it is possible. It's not likely, but it is possible, and it does happen. I think there were at least half a dozen deaths here in Florida last year from people who got this amoeba and died, and you die very quickly uh, from it. So we talked about this on the show, and uh, some other places on the web uh, made light of it and kind of gently criticized us for uh, being, I guess, hysterical about this stuff. So I just started on one of my rants. It was stay out of the damn lakes, and it took. So that's my tagline, stay out of the damn lakes. They don't want you swimming in the lakes. Uh, There are big signs that say don't swim in the lakes, and there's a reason for those signs, and so that's why I usually sign sign off the show with stay out of the damn lakes. Uh, Two other big issues was all the boats in the um, lake there's a lot of diesel fuel that comes out. And also in the uh, island, there's tons and tons of birds. So there's lots and lots of bird droppings in the water. They really don't want you in there because it's really not safe. It's not it's sanitary. Like, it's like a disease stew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. The oh thing about God. the snakes wasn't just hearsay either. Uh, weren't you on the we, fish? We have video. We, did video. Yeah, we video have video. Photos. Uh, we have video on the site, on YouTube, um, when we were doing our fishing excursion. Out of uh, Fort World, where, where were we? Uh, Wilderness Lodge. Wilderness Lodge. And uh, during the fishing excursion, there was a water moccasin swimming across the lake. And on the video, you can hear the uh, Disney guide saying to us, You get bitten by that, it will rock your world. They are fatal. You can die from a bite by a water moccasin, and they are all over the place in those, in those lakes. So there is a real, a, a real health threat to it, uh, in spite of what some people on the web have claimed. And just because you saw pictures from 10 years ago or 20 years ago where it showed people, you know, frolicking in the water at the Polynesian, you know, they've learned since then. And what they allowed back then is not what they allow now. Follow yeah. the signs. Really? They painted with lead paint back well, then? Well, here's what gets me. Here's what gets <laughs> me smart. is that you've got, you know, you go, to, you go to our boards and talk about putting five people in a room and people are going to act... Like you are committing murder. So, because oh, Disney's rules say, Disney's rules say. Well, the rules also say, stay out of the damn lakes. There's a sign. Don't go in the lake. But that doesn't. Uh, that <laughs> that doesn't apparently, approve. that doesn't apply. 
So it just it cracks me up what some people think you know is important and what isn't. Stay out of the damn lakes. And as far as the weather, um, it's probably going to be bright and sunny. But WFTV.com is a great local weather place. And a lot of people go, oh, you can't predict the weather down here. I think they're pretty accurate mm. on the weather. They're more times. accurate than most. Yeah, on yeah. the most part. It's hot and sunny. It rains sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a lot going on weather-wise down here for them to really it's be that rather, wrong. It's getting rather warm Yeah, mm-hmm. in the mid-80s. I think it's supposed to turn cloudy toward the end. Of and the she day. wanted a crowd thing. Ooh. It's gonna. There's gonna be crowds. Yeah. <laughs> there's gonna be people. Yeah. You won't be the only one in the park. There you go. Right. That's my prediction. It won't be Easter what, crowded. When is she coming? March 29th. Yes. Week. Yeah, the crowds are pretty bad right now. Yeah. It's spring break, so there's quite yeah, a few people. The crowds out there. are pretty bad right now. And the, yeah, the Disney's done a great job with the seven for four promotion, getting people into they the sure parks. Sure have. It has definitely worked. People are in the parks, and people are in downtown Disney, and there are lots and lots of them, so be prepared for some crowds. You would never think there was a recession with the amount of people in the parks right now. The surrounding areas are getting are crowded, too. We went to Fuddruckers the other night, which is in the crossroads. That's that burger place we talked about right, right across the street. We drove around the parking lot of the crossroads for a good two minutes before we could find a parking spot. We actually had to stalk someone to get a parking spot. Hmm. Wow. So... Okay, well, thank you for that, Kathy. Our final voicemail today comes to us from Cheryl from Jacksonville with comments on D23. So here is Cheryl. Hi, gang. This is Cheryl calling from Jacksonville, Florida. I'm just listening to your March 11th rant about the D23 thing, and I just wanted you to know that I agree 100%. I am the fan that you're talking about, Pete. We have done six cruises. We are DVC members. We are annual pass holders. Um, we've actually booked the Mediterranean cruise for next year. Um, and I was excited to see what D23 was going to be all about, and I looked at it and went, huh, there's no way that I'm spending $75 on that. So just wanted you to know that even though you felt like you ran really long, I absolutely agreed with everything. I'm sure there's a lot of us that do. And keep up the good work. Love the show. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Cheryl. I appreciate that. And, yeah, you know, I'll tell you, uh, I've gotten a lot of emails and voicemails in support of uh, what I've said about uh, D23. I've calmed down a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but uh, actually received uh, my lithograph, which is the special gift you get with purchase. And uh, I'll... You know, I, I said I, I, I joined so that I could evaluate it fairly, and I will I will say that the lithograph is not exactly horrible. Uh, it is not something I would buy in a store. I'm not a lithograph person, though. I'm, I have to tell you, Corey and I looked at it. I don't believe it's a lithograph. I believe it's a poster of a lithograph, Yeah, which is a big difference. Well, whatever it is, it comes with a certificate of authenticity. I'm, I'm estimating that in the... In the, if you were to buy this in the store, it would probably go for twenty to thirty dollars. Guys, disagree with that? No, not not if you bought it. You know, Disney if you bought store, it, you bought it. You know, twenty yeah. thirty bucks sounds about twenty right. to thirty dollars. I've also received my uh, twenty three magazine and my suitable for framing membership certificate. Quality wise, everything is very nice. It's not was not you know that certainly was not part of my. Uh, my complaint here that the quality of what they were going to give was going to be bad. It's just they left out a huge number of fans. 
And from what I've been reading and hearing uh, offline, they know it, that the message has absolutely gotten through. Oh, that's good. And that they know that there, there are a lot of people that are unhappy. Um, I'm pretty sure I will not be on their Christmas card list <laughs> um, anytime soon. But uh, You might be on a list. <laughs> yeah, I'm on a list, definitely, just not the Christmas card one. And, uh, you know, I stand by what I said. Uh, there is an entire segment of the Disney fan community that was just completely overlooked in this. And it needs to be addressed. It needs to not be overlooked anymore. And Disney needs to come up with something. And until they do, they're going to find increasingly, I think, that the fans of their theme parks, the people who vacation at their resorts time and time again, year after year, are going to become more and more disenchanted. How far, how long, what will have to happen before we start not going, I don't know. But I'll tell you, if the economy keeps going like this, at some point in time, even your most loyal fans can throw their hands up and say, you know what, I've had enough. There was a post on our boards, and I apologize. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. I, this, I'm, this is kind of off the cuff, and I don't know who posted it. But she talked about the fact that over the last couple of years, she's been here so often that she's stayed at Disney property 553 nights. I believe it's over the last 10 years. Wow. wow. She can count the number of times she stayed. And I, I, the tone of this post was... And the fact that they've put this out to their highest affinity group and I'm not part of it, I've started planning trips to other places. Disney has priced themselves out of my pocketbook, and now my money, my vacation dollars, are going to go someplace else. She said she didn't want to say that she would never go back to Disney, but the multiple trips per year and the avid fandom just isn't there. She doesn't feel that... She, she doesn't feel that there's any gratitude. I got to be honest that if I was still living in New Jersey and not 20 minutes away, I think at this point I probably would have been priced out of this market by now and that I would be looking at other places to vacation. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but what I'm hoping is that the obvious gross mistakes that went into planning and launching D23 – are corrected in short order. I don't know how much time they're going to have to do that. Uh, if they think people are going to, if they think they're going to have a high renewal rate with what they're offering now, they're not. Just got the magazine, and while it's beautiful, if I saw this in a store for sixteen bucks, I don't think I'd buy it. I really don't. What do you don't. think it is? Maybe twenty pages? No, I think it's a little more than that. Let me see. It's a real nice looking magazine. No, it's stunning. No, it's I mean, quality. It's, it's definitely quality. There's no, there's no doubt that it's quality. Um, no, I'd probably say it's about forty or fifty pages. But, and the pictures are gorgeous and all that stuff. I just, I don't know that I would spend sixteen dollars on this. I might. I don't know, but my guess is probably not. So. How they're gonna how they're gonna address this stuff? What they're gonna do with this stuff is anybody's guess. But the way it stands now, D twenty three is certainly not worth the seventy five dollars they're charging, and won't be until they actually decide to give some value for that seventy five dollars. 
But there are some people where this magazine is a value, and they're like, okay, this yeah. is beautiful. I'm more than happy to pay that money well, for as it, I just said, not me. As I said in my, my rant and subsequent discussions, I will not debate the fact that this is great for a certain segment of the fan community. I take nothing away from that. My point solely is that it left out an entire segment mm-hmm. of the yep. fan community. True. And why is one segment of the fan community more important and a higher affinity group than the other? Why is it people who buy collectibles are worth more to Disney than the people who spend money in their resorts? And that's what this program seems like. That's exactly what it is. It's not what it seems like. It's what it is. And it's because they don't know who their fans are. That's why. Three years of research, quote-unquote, and this is what they came up with because they don't know who their fans are. And that's a shame. And, you know, they, 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 they tout themselves as, you know, we, this, for the first time in the 80-year history of our company, we're recognizing our fans like this is a good thing. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourselves that it took you 80-some-odd years to recognize your fans. That, sh- that should be a source of shame. You should be apologizing for that, not charging us $75 for it. But here we go again. I'm not going there. And I would just say before we leave the subject that if you have a problem with this and you think that it didn't do anything for you, let Disney know. Just talking about it on a uh, bulletin board, that that's great. But Disney needs to know it, too. And, and aren't we recommending that they send a letter rather, rather than an email? We have uh, uh, started a letter writing campaign. And the addresses for different people at Disney are on the thread on the podcast board. And if you're so inclined, send a letter. I also encourage people the other way. If you thought this was good, let them know that too. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way they're going to make uh, future decisions for what people want is through feedback. One of the things that bothered me about this whole discussion is that some of our listeners have written and posted on our boards that they don't want people to think they're stupid for joining. And I would like to apologize if anybody thought that that's what we were saying. I don't think you're stupid for joining. I've tried to let people know. If you are happy with your purchase, if you are happy with your membership, I'm thrilled for you. Mm -hmm. And we have a difference of opinion, but that's all it is. I don't think you're stupid for joining. I don't think you're stupid for spending your money any way you want to spend it. You fit into that fan group that they were targeting. Right. That's, exactly. all, that's all it is. And, that's, and, that's, and as I said, that is a perfectly legitimate fan group. This is a perfectly legitimate offering for that fan group. My problem is, again, there's a whole lot of people left out of this. And a whole lot of people that are also legitimate fans who's, who express their passion in ways other than how Disney is is targeting this program. And when do they get recognized? When do they get recognized as being important to the lifeblood and legacy of the company, as Bob Iger has repeatedly said uh, when he discusses this? When do they get recognized as part of that? When do we, in other words, when do we get recognized as part of that? Why are, if they're looking for their fans, there's not just our site, but there's numerous other sites. Why are those people not recognized? Why are the fan sites? Why isn't somebody from Disney coming in and every once in a while and stopping in and saying, listen, we know you're our biggest fans. Here's a tidbit of information for you. 
you guys talk about us all day, every day. Because that would be recognizing these unofficial Well, sites. that's exactly what they And they won't do it. Right. But that's, that's it. what they should be doing. Of course they should be. Right. Of course they should that, be. That, in but my opinion, would be recognizing But that's fans. their arrogance. That's their arrogance. That's the arrogance that I talk about on the show all the time. So they just pretend we're not here, and we know they know we are. Yeah. So That's yeah. why I slapped official all over this. Official yeah. fans. Official fans. Yeah. And now, right. And you know my response. You know my response to that. You know my response to that. I had to beep, bleep it out of uh, last week's email oh. show. I don't have to spend $75 to be an official fan. Trust yeah. me. I, I am. I've earned, yeah, I've earned my stripes. I don't need right. to do anything else or approve anything else. We've all earned our stripes. By virtue of the fact that we spend so much time on sites like the Diz. And the other Disney fan sites out there, we've earned our stripes. I've been coming for 38 years. I'm official. Yeah, exactly. There you go. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this week's email show. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. And as always, remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Mm-hmm.